Everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. another episode of we're not wizards my name's richard i'll be your host for april boom coming at you cleopatra don't go chasing waterfalls um crisscross are gonna make you <laughs> they're gonna make you jump around jump around um i've come under a bit of flack a bit of competition of late because the, the kind of the joke used to be um the number of podcasts i was releasing and then um during the, these current interesting times, um, it's like it's just like could your podcast be any more relevant now? Uh, I'm joined by Ben Maddox, who's now going to spend a considerable Hello. amount of time explaining to me why he all of a sudden feels the urge to be releasing podcasts all the time. You know, so I remember we had a sort of text discussion and I said to you, you should do all these interviews, but you should parcel them out. Don't don't release so much material. And uh, I've been doing a daily podcast for the last month (laughs) because I'm nothing (laughs) if not a cast iron hypocrite, which is the real pronunciation of the word. It's just it's amazing how hypocritical (laughs) you have been (laughs) because I was at that point where and I've never, because people have said to me, Richard, you're a bit, you're a bit heavy in the content here. Um, sometimes I pick and choose actually what I listen to because I don't always have time to listen to everybody. So if there's a couple you feels decent, go and tell me. <laughs> and it's like, right. I cannot tell. I love all my children equally. Then all of a sudden, I've got the same situation with yourself. I'm looking down your feet and I'm going, I'm having difficulty kind of keeping up. Yeah, but the what? point is, so, I, I made... In, not, they're not full shows, so they range between no. sort of 12 and 20 minutes, mostly. And hmm. I'm talking to people from the industry, I'm talking to doctors, I'm talking to psychologists, just about, and teachers and that sort of stuff, and and supermarket workers, about the COVID crisis, and about yeah. sort of their experiences and what we should do to make their lives easier. And also, sort of, I did a week of FLGS owners uh, just to sort of investigate their plight and how they're feeling and if we can help and all of that sort of stuff. I mean, I can't help by offering any sort of practical help or money or intelligence. What I can do is ask them questions, have them speak, and then release it to the people on the internet. Because, frankly... I'm the real hero. I'm the bloke <laughs> with the Zimmer frame walking around his house on that. Oh, my word. Uncle Major Tom, or whatever his name is. Whatever it is, you're just living your life. You're living your heroism vicariously through other people. Because I kind of I kind of caught... I caught the, I, I'm working from home at the moment, so when I'm doing, like, a mundane task... And this is strange because I've 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 normally used to listen to podcasts on my commute, so right. I'm now missing out on a couple hours of podcasts. And by now, just yeah, like sure. today and yesterday, I was like, I'm going to catch up on some podcasting, and I just decided I'm just going to catch up with as many years as I could. So I'm was listening to Mr. Hughes, and I listened to your one with Mike Barnes, which was yeah. thoroughly interesting. I listened to the one with um, Elizabeth Hargrave, yeah, as well, and. Um, it's interesting. It kind of re, it reassesses for you who the who the real important people are because I'm I'm noticing that you're not you're not lining up any billionaire Hed- CEOs to talk to. No hedge um, fund managers on the show. No, no, no. Y- you like know, that stock exchange people, oil, oil barons. You know, no, landlords. None of those. None of those. No. Jeff Bezos asked to come on, but I told him to fuck off. Um, 
<laughs> he even offered me money and I said, I'm not taking any of filthy Luca, Jeff. I don't take money from Emperor Palpatine, I said to him. <laughs> he was correct. He was in tears by the end of the conversation. His little yellow eyes looked at you and they were all glazed. Exactly. Pulled- goat's eyes. His goat's <laughs> he eyes. Went- <laughs> Babe, out, let me on the show. <laughs> no, Jeff, you're the Satan, I said to him. you got to wonder if he's even known what his five favourite things he would take if there was a doom. He'd probably cause the doomsday, let's face it. Not being nice. Right, so his five favourite things you know. are the tears of his where I staff, the tears of his administrative staff, the tears <laughs> of the people who have died in the COVID crisis, tears, just general tears, and also tears from African babies. That's Jeff Bezos' top five favourite things. He puts them in suitcases, he takes them away. I mean, very tear based. He likes to see people cry. You gotta kind of wonder if it was a thing where, and if you'd had them all sitting on the back seat of the car, <laughs> and you went over a bump, and everything else got washed away right down, down the river, um, what would you keep, Jeff? And he'd be like, "It's no. fine, as long as long no. as it was a river of tears." All of the tears are staying <laughs> in my car. I've got my own private security service. I don't lose a drop of those tears. I rub them into my nipples. I'm changing the rules. That's what I'm doing. Changing the rules, you hear? Um, how are you coping, though? But it's, it's because how am I coping? I know, you're talking I mean, to all I mean, these people. You, have you, yeah, have how you, are you? How listen you to me talk for the last five minutes. Uh, <coughs> <laughs> bordering on insanity, but then but I'm trying to peel back the onion layers and find out. You peel back um, the onion layers, and you just see more and more sort of hairballs and. Stress knots. No, um, fine, actually, fine. Um, I just wish I could go out because I, I have hmm. been luckier than most in that my job hasn't been affected, so I've been able to work. The podcast, I've, I've, I've really put myself... Uh, the thing is, all of this... You know, I've got all this faux bullshit about being, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm wanting to highlight those in need during this crisis. That's all fucking disingenuous bollocks, right? I'm doing it because it's stopping me from going nuts and I'm being able to reach out to people. And, you know, the thing is, people do things. Altruism's a myth. People do things because it makes them feel good. The hope is that the things they do also have a positive benefit. And I think my show, you know, it's it's small ripples in a huge sea, of course. But I think you know, yeah. I'm I, I'm sort of chronicling the times. But in terms of how I'm doing, I'm I'm reading. I've started reading books again. I I sort of had a moratorium on reading for a while. I'm reading the Wolf yeah. Hall trilogy by Hilary Mantel, which is absolutely fantastic. I highly recommend it. Um, I'm. I'm running 30 kilometres a week. I'm lifting weights three times a week. I'm doing yoga. Um, I decided when this lockdown happened that it would... Because, you know, in the immortal words of Oscar Wilde, I can resist everything except tons of booze. And so, (laughs) you know, people are... People are a... I'm very easily led, I guess, is the best way to say it. And because I can't see people, I'm able to shut myself away and live a sort of life of monastic non-indulgence. And so I'm, you know, I'm going to get svelte and fit and re-enter the world looking like 20 bucks. (laughs) With loose change. Which is is about, about 200 times as much as I look usually. I'm just wondering... Now that you're yeah. recording so much, do you realise that you were really only running things at second gear beforehand and that, you know, you really should have been putting in a bit more effort and you could be releasing podcasts all the time? Absolutely not, no. You know, I'm this week, <laughs> this week, at the end of yeah. this week, I've run out of, I already had to pay extra money for more server space on Libsyn. Uh, this week wow. is the, this week's probably the last of the shows for a while. And certainly until the beginning of next month, it's it's been great. And I've spoken to some really interesting yeah. people. And it's been really valuable, but I, it, it's a very unique situation. And it's only because it's a unique situation I'd 
I prefer to. I prefer my usual schedule. I've kind of had to issue reviewing games because I'm not playing very many. And also, you know, with all of this sort of work I'm doing on the daily podcast, I find, I don't know about you, but I find writing an absolute, absolutely exhausting. And it's one or the other. So I haven't been writing, which is a shame. So I'll probably go back to writing stuff and I'll just do a weekly sort of write-up thing. But with the interviews... Probably at the end of this week it's done. Especially as the show I'm releasing tomorrow has a 15-minute digression where we where we discuss whether Yogi Bear is molesting Boo Boo. So all of that goodwill wow. I've built up over the last three weeks yeah. is, uh, is gone, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to find out that you're probably, you know, certain people are going to stop retweeting the episodes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you had them picked. <laughs> I mean, I've been, I, I, found out, I, found out, I found out earlier that um, Twitter's biggest activist, probably the person who does the most good mm. on Twitter, has blocked me recently. Yeah. I'm absolutely gutted. Really? She is, a, she is a tireless warrior for good. She doesn't exploit yes. people and she's, she's not an arsehole. Yes. And, and her blocking me was a real, was a real wrench. And I'm basically I'm doing this for her in the hope that I can be allowed back in. But you know, I was born the way been I was. Because so you've unlikely. always been a you've you've always been a little bit edgy. So I mean, I always thought you were kind of skirting around the edge. And I must admit, I mean, a couple of times, um, you know, when you get that example set for you, when when the call is issued that you know these people you need to keep an eye on, you should even maybe you know get your finger hovering above the block button in case I command you to block people. Um, that, you know, you have always been, I think, kind of a borderline case. I well, think you've I mean, always been starts, in the slight red file. I, I am I am in the slight red file. I mean, because of my, my erstwhile partner who decided to tell the internet I was a Nazi, people are always kind yeah. of waiting. People are always waiting for that sort of Nazi side of me to materialise. The fact that he's a... The fact that he's an abs, you know, he's a, he's a born liar, and it was a complete fabrication, means that I'm not likely yeah. to out myself as a Nazi anytime soon. But it was so interesting speaking yeah. to you just before we started to record because one one thing that I've stopped doing is is Twitter, and I tweet when I've got shows coming out and all of this sort of stuff, but I don't engage with Twitter anymore. And you were telling me the uh, the tales of what's going on in the Twitterverse, and and frankly, it's all the drama. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and frankly, oh, yeah, you know, I, I find myself much better out of it. And I don't think my show has suffered in terms of engagement. And I don't think, and I've certainly improved a great deal by not engaging with these absolute morons on Twitter. My God, <laughs> did you did you did you see the? I, I I think I think peak idiot. I think Twitter hit peak idiot about six weeks ago. No, yeah, six weeks ago, a month ago. Where well, there was an Asian woman on Twitter claiming that cis white people were culturally appropriating Asian people by wearing face masks because Asian people have been wearing <laughs> face masks for decades. And this is, you know, as the, cro- as the COVID crisis is exploding and people are buying face masks, right? And it's just, and you know, it's just the craziest insane shit that all you have to do is you have to say a couple of a couple of sort of checkbox checks checkbox phrases like cultural appropriation and cis white male and people will applaud you from the hills and it really is twitter is eating itself and what's so amazing is when you get off twitter and you stop engaging with that idiocy and you just speak to people you find, oh, wow, 99% of people just aren't concerned with this absurd shit. Sure, there's injustice in the world, but Christ. And, and yeah. if, your, if your activism is that board game geek is an elitist millionaire's play palace that people can't vote because they have to use geek gold to vote, and that is denying the poor... Then, then you're you're <laughs> fighting for the wrong thing. You're fighting for the fucking wrong thing, right? I, th- I just, uh, yeah. There's certain things I've just, you know, because you go like, oh yeah, I'm trundling along, and you trundle along, and you're <laughs> you're kind of you're not staying in your lane. 
but you're just like, I'm going to chat to this person and that's fun. I'm going to interact with this person and I'll try and say something stupid. And, you know, that was fun and let's all have a laugh. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm in kind of sucked into something completely different. And I'm just like, um, do you know what? <clears throat> uh, fuck off, really? <laughs> um, because I've had enough. You know, and it's like, I don't know. I know the number of people that are kind of like, they're actively kind of saying, oh, you better not say that on Twitter because, you know, and you're just like, Why, when when did we get to this? When did we get actually well, you know, get to this You know this what point Twitter's big problem people- is, right? It started off it, when it became a sort of viable thing because it was this weird thing. When it first started yeah. and I first got an account, I thought, what the hell is this? It's just this weird place where you just post a Facebook status, except it's really short and it's weird. But it came into its own in a really dignified manner, right? So it came into its own during the Arab Spring. And, you know, people using Twitter on Tahrir Square to highlight the injustice and the brutality of the state. And so Twitter got given this patina of kind of respectability. And it got given this patina of this is where activism happened but what's happened is it's been overtaken by a load of middle-class americans with fuck all else to do but shout about their own particular problems and if you look at what people basically are moaning about it is it is very very small sections of the middle-class population who want more benefits and they they claim it's not but it, it clearly is right and Twitter is the most middle-class fucking place on the planet. And middle-class people are nothing but self-flagellating, right? Uh, do you find it's helped your mental health? I mean, being away from it, do you kind of work? I mean, because it's so easy. I mean, you can step away from the you can step away from the drama. And then you're like, oh, what's happened now? And you get checked and you get involved and you're just like, oh, for goodness sake. And then it's having that self-tending. I don't, I don't want to. Because I know of people who... Um, never get involved in you never see them kind of they just trundle along they're doing yeah. fine they never ever get involved in any type of drama or anything like that or what people would call drama in fucking inverted commas um and they just trundle along and they do fine and then there seems to be other people that that's all they get every people, single time the, the thing is, is the thing they is, walk into the drama room and they say can i have some drama please? people people like it people want to get on twitter the thing is has it improved my mental health look there are things that There are things that affect my mental health. I've been through phases of, you know, I've been in very dark places in my life. And things that affect my mental health are loved ones dying, having no money, not really knowing whether my accommodation is going to be my accommodation in a month. Um, Yeah. You know, that sort of stuff. That's, that's the sort of stuff that has affected my mental health. Going on Twitter just fucking annoys me. And, you know, I think I, I think that we need to we need to put things in perspective. And people calling you the thing is, if people call you bad names on Twitter, get off Twitter. And, and don't claim that it's necessary for your job, because unless you work at Twitter, it isn't. So, mm. you know, if people are calling you... And I think it's completely terrible that people are bullied on Twitter. And I think one of the people who claims to be bullied is, is an incredible bully herself. And, you know, I think it's terrible that people are bullied on Twitter. But if you're being bullied on Twitter, get off Twitter. If it really is affecting your mental health, which I doubt because I, I, I think people's mental health is affected by, by serious existential things. But if it is, get off Twitter. You don't need it. Am I less, am I prone? Has my mental health improved? No. But what, is, what has improved is that I don't have 30 minutes every day where I'm going, what the fuck? Are you insane? That that doesn't exist anymore. So that's an improvement for sure. Does it put you back in control of your own emotional state? Because I know that um, I know it's very very. Do you know what? I and I know I know this for a fact. It's like one of the other things that um, that that Trump itself. Trump's a dream for Twitter because right up until because we had um, we had Gamergate and stuff like that, and that kind of really started. You know, there was the polarisation of two sides and stuff like that but Twitter itself was failing in terms of interaction and stuff like that and then you know the you know 
Trump came along and then all of a sudden Twitter's got a reason for existing and I find sometimes that no matter what you do to try and avoid what you'd see is something that would make you rant and rave is that, um, you know, it's always there, that it's almost a case that it's going to be fed to you no matter what. It's something that you can't kind of escape from. And I guess, um, and I'm wondering if some people use it differently from other people that they just seem to be able to get on by. I probably blame myself because I am a person that gets riled up and I am a ranter and a raver and I am the type of person that will... You know, Boris Johnson being on telly and, or, you know, someone else talking about how this is all going to be fine. And I'm just going, ah, oh, fuck off. Hey, look. And I say that to the TV and I'm that, I'm that kind of reactionary person. I know other people, they'll just let it kind of brush off them like water off a duck's back. Look, getting pissed off because Boris Johnson mm. is is basically condemning working class people over 60 to death is something worth getting annoyed about, right? Yeah. Someone calls your hair, a, someone says your dyed hair is a stupid colour on Twitter, isn't. This this whole idea that the board game geek is this cis white male hegemony and board game media is this cis white male hegemony. Fucking people are dying in their thousands. The world is heading towards ecological collapse if you really gave a shit if you weren't just navel gazing and just completely self-obsessed you would maybe go after things that are important not things that aren't if i want to bring it back to my show you know yeah i think i think we live in a macro world and a micro world and i I, and the micro happenings are important to particular people but fundamentally they don't mean shit and, you know, I've spoken to Mike, who works in a supermarket, for instance, because yeah. that's important. If you're talking about mental health, I mean, imagine the fucking stress of putting yourself in contact with something potentially fatal every day to bring us our broccoli and our frozen chips, right? You know, all of this Twitter bullshit is insignificant. All of these people arguing pedantic points and getting faux offended, because that's all it is, is faux offence. Faux offended over someone saying something wrong is, is, is fundamentally pointless. And Twitter exists on that. But, you know, people want to be seen... People want to... People want easy victories people want to go on twitter and have an easy victory and exploiting people's politeness is what mostly these people do so so the other day there was um the the publishers who do teotihuacan yeah did this sort of game you know you know that thing they do on facebook or it's like choose a, a choose a letter from column a a letter from column b and a letter from column c and that is your Pedigree dog name or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and they yeah, were doing yeah. this thing with um, uh, Teotihuacan and the expansion and they, they chose like sort of prefixes and suffixes from sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of Aztec, Central American ancient languages, right? And they said, choose your Aztec name or whatever. And so some fucking twat got on Twitter and went, you are exploiting ancient cultures and names. You should be ashamed. And of course, this this company went, oh, Christ, I'm really sorry. Oh, we'll take the tweet down. And yeah, no, no one's bothered. No one's fucking bothered, except this person wants to just prove how fucking great they are and they say they're rewriting the script but it's fucking bullshit it all it is is self-advertising and and the beauty is the only thing that's good is they're advertising to three fucking people they're being applauded by three fucking people and and you know there are people on the on twitter who are bullies the thing is there are toxic people and there are there are people who are genuinely nice but there are toxic people who decided and they talk about gatekeeping and all of this and they are the ultimate gatekeepers because they decide they inflict the purity tests on people in the hobby and if you fail these purity tests you are not allowed to engage right which i think is absolutely insane 
and and especially especially if you make a mistake or you misconstrue something and then you and then you are forever branded by this and it's it's a bunch of people i don't know are they unhappy do they do they uh, it the path to hell is paved with good intentions right and there are malign yeah, yeah, people exactly. who will exploit good-natured people to this end and she is clearly a malign person who is exploiting a lot of good-natured and slightly gullible people to whatever end she wants, I think. A question in relation to um, tabletop itself. With... Because I, I played, for the first time last last week, I played a, a tabletop simulator game I was... Uh, um, which was delightful and um, it was actually good fun and for the fact it was in like some kind of virtual theatre it was um, comparatively good fun. Um, they're talking about obviously the lockdowns um, kind of easing up in fact. We're, I think uh, in Germany itself they're starting to allow kind of retail premises to to open up as long as they're, you know, people are wearing protective clothing. It's, and it's very curtailed. Masks but it's, and stuff yeah. like that, you know. Yeah, it's, start, it's starting to open up. But I'm just wondering... Um, how long is it going to be before people can kind of get round the table again, and 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 how's that going to kind of affect kind of coverage? Because I, you you said you, you yourself said you know you, it's very very difficult to review games. I'm lucky that the games that I have been asked to look at and review are kids games. So I can sit down with my son. You know, Coiled Spring have luckily sent me a couple of good you know nice kids games that I've been able to play, and so I'll be able to write or create some content for them. But then I've got like. Um, another couple of games which there's just there's very little chance of me being able to sit you know to be able to sit down and get a kind of like a full a full game or get something played out of them and i'm just wondering with you are you going to reassess i mean if this continues on and it's going to be a while before they allow everybody together playing games and stuff like that. Are you going to reassess the review side of things? Are you going to reassess? Because the show, I think you could still do the show, because I think there's tons of designer developers who you could interview and would have an amazing perspective. But at the same time, is the review stuff, are you just going to have to say, well, pff, I'm just going to have to leave that as is oh, until well, it, it kind of sorts itself out? It is what it is, right? Um I mean, I constantly hmm. reassess the show and my desire to do it and all of this on a daily basis. Um, I mean, I think... And where are, you, where are you with it just now, though? I mean, are you still... Because last time we spoke, I mean, you sounded like, you know, the, the both of us were kind of in an assessment situation and I've given myself another kind of six months. And now you were sounding like, well, I'm not, you know... And where things were you weren't entirely happy. I mean, is that mindset kind of change? I mean, something must have changed because you've just spent the last couple of weeks recording every single day. Well, it was interesting. So it was bit, uh, if you'd have asked me two weeks ago, I'd, I'd made my plan two weeks mm -hmm. ago. And my plan was to... And this might just have been... <laughs> this might just have been the, the direction the wind was blowing at that time. But my plan was to do shows for the COVID thing, <laughs> release the interviews that I'd already banked, and then quit. Yeah? Yeah, just because I felt that... I felt that I was getting into a rut, I felt that my listeners were getting into a rut, and I felt that kind of none of us were getting anything out of this anymore. And, but this is all, because I'm a performer, this is all to do with people's reaction, right? And so now I'm in a place where I feel better. People have been very nice. People have been very complimentary. And I'm nothing if not an oversensitive idiot. Um, I've done, you know, it's, it's, really, it's really difficult because the point is it would be no question if I was making more money. And that sounds terribly mercenary and stuff, but I, you know, you don't do things for free. But I can't get away from the fact that the, the podcast, what, what podcasting has given me is a gateway to people in this community, right? Yeah. It has given me a, it has given me a, 
connection to people like you, to people like Dan, to people like Tony Bodell, to people in the States, friends I've got who I've never met, you know. And so it's super positive for that. Where I am at the moment is I feel pretty good about the show, but that could change from day to day. It's just, you know, if I was making five times the amount that I'm making now, it would be no question. But fundamentally, it is work at the end of the day. I consider it work. I don't consider it a hobby, you know. Which is, that was a terrible answer and I didn't really answer your question. No, I mean, um, it's kind of, it's assessing where you are and where you want to be. And we, I mean, I'm the same. I'm just thinking of, I'm thinking of just, I, I, you know, in all honesty, um, it's kind of like you end up getting caught along in the train to <clears throat> think, you know, and we've had this discussion before, is it time to, is it time to say goodbye and finish on a nice strong finish? And then everybody can look back and say, look, there's a body of work and I can congratulate myself. And I, but I've always done this, Ben. I've always been the type of person who would stop something when not stop something before I teeter on to the point where I'm kind of like um, uh, I need to I need to stop this because this is turning into a bit of a chore and and the, the, the issue that I've got um, is that I will have I could be like I could be like five minutes before like I speak to you tonight going off oh, I just do you know what, maybe I should just, you know, go and have a seat and sit down and, and just reconsider what I'm doing. But as soon as we get talking and as soon as I was talking, you know, I'm talking to you or I'm talking to like, I had the delight of speaking to David Turtsey the other night. And, yeah. and, and it was so funny, I ended up not doing an intro because it was kind of like straight into a kind of like a, a really good, just fun, relaxed kind of conversation. I was like, oh, bugger, I've messed up the format again. And, you know... um. And then you get into that and you realise, well, I, I, the reason I'm doing this is because I really, really enjoy and uh, enjoy talking to people. And then it's like, well, does it have to be a bit board game? Should I do something different? Should I should I bugger off for like six months and then come back and say, oh, now here's our new exciting show where I get just to talk to anybody at all and, and forget about the premise that it's about kind of board I mean, I was speaking to, um, we just launched a show with Stephanie Jessup who does... Um, she does ASL videos, okay. American Sign Language videos, and she does some work for Rodney and stuff like that. But it was just a fascinating chat about the subject. And I was like, well, why does it have to revolve around board games? Could it be speaking to anybody else? And I've seen the kind of the... The, interf- the other thing is the interview shows are picking up. And I'll be honest with you, I um, people are not consuming as much content as they used to. And also, um, I'm at a level where I was expecting to be um, not further along um, I'm kind of happy with the level that I am but then I'm thinking well do I just stop now before I start to get frustrated you know it's one of those difficult just, it's one of those difficult things because I'm a bit of an asshole right and I I think I'm I think I do a really good job and I don't I, I think I'm criminally undervalued for the job I do. Which sounds which sounds yeah. terribly vain. It sounds awfully vain, but nevertheless it is true. And mm-hmm. you know mentioning no names, but there are there are people who I see in this board game world who do incredibly well and I don't I don't begrudge them that. I just think I should be doing that well and and that's my fundamental problem I I have kind of no issue with the work there are parts of it I enjoy parts of it I don't I just I was trying to think about when like two weeks ago when I decided to quit doing the show mm-hmm. I decided I was going to write a piece and I was going to try and explain why I was quitting and I, I came up with this idea of you know Sometimes you go to a party and it takes you a while to realise no one wants you at the party. But the minute you Mm. realise that, the best thing to do is leave. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been doing this show for uh, two years and a couple of months now. And I'm nowhere near where I wish I was. And... I wonder whether people want me at the party. I guess I guess that's the thing. Because I, I don't want to be at a party where people don't want me, you know. Yeah, I totally see that. Of course I totally see that. I think a lot of people, 
see that. I think you get to a level you're measuring yourself and I think that you then get disappointed at where you are and then you start to wonder, well, you see other people at the same stage or at the same place and you seem to say, well, are they doing... They must be. They look like they're doing better than what I'm at, I am. At. And 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 yeah, you're right. Yeah, sometimes you end up asking the question: Is it me? You know, I'm sitting yeah. here thinking, ah, we're having a good conversation actually, and you know, and everything's fun. But am I fundamentally really annoying? And am I really good? And am I getting lots and lots of different guests because they all have something that they want to talk about? And I've turned into Graham Norton on a fucking Friday night where I've got the guests coming in to pitch their latest project to me instead of just having yeah. a natter. And then for a while, I've tried to force it down a different a different conversation where we have a chat about, you know, people in general and stuff like that. But then you have to wonder is, um, am, I, am I not having this eureka-type moment because fundamentally um, I'm not going to have that eureka moment? Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's you know, I haven't written fiction really for a couple of years. And that's because I've been really doing this intensively for a couple of years. And so, you know, part of me thinks, I mean, I've earned more money doing this than I have written, writing fiction. But I'm like, should I go back to writing? Um, mm. You know, it, the, the thing is creating, uh, the problem we suffer from, we create things alone. Yeah. And so there is no back and forth between us and a partner. There's no reinforcement. There's no one that we get to look at as we're creating and go, yeah, that was good. And so any our attitudes towards the stuff we produce is utterly dependent on how we're feeling. And it might be nothing to do with the stuff we produce. But, you know... So the, the the nomination. The thing is, the thing is, I'm a I'm a real petulant child at times, and it's it's really regressible, but I am. So the the nominations for the BGG Golden Geek Awards came out this week, and yeah. you know I got in last year, and I, I was fairly confident I was going to be nominated this year. I mean, I I absolutely know I'm not going to win, but you know I was fully prepared to throw my dummy out of the pram had I not made the nominations. I was fully prepared to bin the whole podcast. Um, and, and that's just nuts, right? And that's just because... That's just because when you create stuff, you're putting yourself in a very vulnerable place. And... You take the hurts harder, I think, if you're working for yourself, right? Yeah. And it's difficult to measure stuff as well. It's like you can never ever measure because you. It's like the amount of effort and things like that. When you feel, I nailed it this time, and this went really really well, and then you'll present it to the the king, <laughs> the audience, and they're like, "Oh, actually, I was wanting chicken." You're just like, "Yeah, but I literally have spent hours." days, you know, time presenting this to you and you, you kind of want something, you kind of want something else. You're just like, well, I don't, I can't measure it. And you're right. If you've got like a, um, and this is one of my always regrets is kind of um, there not being more episodes with uh, Colin who I used to record with because, you know, time gets in the way and stuff like that as well. But it's always nice to go on one of these journeys where you've got somebody else that you can say, whoa, look at this. And they've generally got in as much invested in it as you. And also, so when things aren't going as well or have been going fantastically well, you can pat each other on the back or you can commiserate or you can, somebody gives you a, f a fucking reality check as well at the same time. Do you know what I mean? So somebody just sits you down going, look, why are you being so stupid about this? Stop being so bloody stupid about it. I just want to quit. Why you want to quit? Look at where we're, look at where we are. Look at what we're doing you know, that kind of thing. And it is difficult because you do end up kind of um, without somebody cajoling you or bigging you up or grounding you or telling you to stop being stupid or telling you or you are being stupid. 
um, you end up measuring yourself against other people. And you can only ever fall out short with that because you're imagining something completely differently to what they're probably thinking anyway. Right. Which is, you know, the route to madness. It is, it is. Um, but again, you know, it, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's one of those things that um, if I was making two grand a month... Frankly, I, I, I would care a lot less. I would be a lot more... I, I think I'm very enthusiastic about the job I do, but I would be... There would be a lot less soul-searching, I guess. And like it or not, money is often an indicator of maybe not quality, but people's perception of your quality, right? And I never went into this project... I never went into this project feeling that this is just going to be a nice hobby. I, I went into this project uh. saying, this is my best shot at it being a job. And I sometimes wonder, and this is the point, right, that I think, well, you know, what if, what if the big upshot is just around the corner and I quit now and I miss it? And then, you know, it, that would be terrible. Uh, yeah. And you, there is always that what if, isn't it? It's awful. It's like that regret thing. Oh, I, you know, oh, I wish I'd kind of stuck with that or I wish I'd given it another couple of six months. But um, then if your my, my view of that is if your mindset's in that particular place, I don't think necessarily the big thing's going to happen for you because your mindset's already in that place, if you know what I mean. Right. As in you can't expect everything to turn golden rainbows just because things just now aren't as good as they could be or thing or they're but they are always better than you think they are anyway i mean let's face it we're sitting here and you've you know you've just been nominated for a bgg podcast of the whatever award and i'm sit, i was sitting there going i know you know and for someone like i'm sitting there going that's really great and it's like i know most of the people on that list and pretty much 50 percent of them have all guested on the bloody show as well right kind of thing so it's nice to have that connection with people i know we're not i'm never going to be nominated for that because i've not got the community around me that's not how i kind of work i've not got the community that you've got with your stuff not got the community that you know the board game barrage you've put together or sporadically bored or anyone like that you know so very wrong they've got people that are there and and and, and i find i kind of feel that i've i've not um I've not fostered that community just for the simple fact is that I want to be able to maybe um, walk away. Yeah. Do you know I, what I mean? I mean, you know, the point There's is, investment though, with that. the point is no one gives a fuck fundamentally. I mean, it was so interesting yeah, exactly. we, when Perfect Information exploded. It got more of a reaction than I expected with people going, mm. oh, my God, we didn't see that coming. And then people going, oh, my God, that's so depressing that the show's over. I mean, actually, very yeah. few people... Very few people being nasty to me. Very few people being nasty to Georgios. Um, but that doesn't... But still, a week later, no one gave a shit. You know, because because these things are ephemeral. And, I mean, the beauty is that... The beauty is that what you've done, there is a permanent record of it, right? So even if you quit tomorrow, I mean, I've got a body of work that's excellent, I think. And so have you. Yeah. And yeah, I would like to walk, if I walk away from this show, I would like to walk away not feeling bitter. I would like to walk away because my life has got to a point where I'm successful enough that I don't have the time to channel my creativity into this anymore because I'm channeling my creativity into something else, right? What would you do if you're doing... I mean, you mentioned writing. Is that what you jump well, into? Well, I'm, I'm an actor, right? Would you so, sit there and do this? You know, so I'm doing a show. If the theatres reopen, I'm doing a show in autumn. Yeah. First show for a while. And, you know... If I got a proper acting job, well, probably the podcast would would cease to be a thing just because, you know, you need to you need to channel yourself into that. But at the same time, I mean, at the same time, and, and, and this sounds like I'm being terribly crass, but, you know, twas ever thus. You know, the podcast doesn't get binned when it becomes financially viable. 
It's mm. just a fact, right? And I, I think it's it, I think I think it's a weird situation in that there are there are you know your your top tier, and I I, I don't. I don't necessarily mean quality when I say this, although that sounds like a being bitchy. I, I don't mean it that way. But your top tier sort of producers in this arena, you know, your Dice Tower, your Shut Up and Sit Down, your Secret Cabal, you watch it played, and your Rado. And to some extent, I guess, heavy cardboard. And it's really a dead man's shoes thing, right? Yeah. Because it's, it's very hard to replace these people or get onto that tier and and i mean especially kind of my show i should be i should be world famous and i'm gonna start killing people until that becomes a reality (laughs) oh dear oh dear indeed that is that That was one question that was one question you asked me so how are you going with the show and that was that was the last 25 minutes that was the entire, the entire answer, which is absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Um, but actually, I'm really loving. Know. Actually, I'm really loving doing the show at the moment. I'm really loving talking to the people, and I'm really loving the reaction I'm getting. And yeah, I feel invigorated about the show in a way that I haven't been for a while, and I think that's good. Which is what you want. Which is one of the reasons that. One of the reasons a lot of people get, and you, you fundamentally, yeah, you can look at it and say, well, it's a way to make money, but also, there's also the way that you can't, you have to, there has to be some kind of enjoyment there at the same time, which is the main thing. Well, you know, and I, money gets you, you know, out of bed in the morning, right? And money, this is this is the thing, I'm a professional performer, and the point is, if you're being paid to do it, your attitude towards it is completely inconsequential. It's just the job you do. That's the important part, right? People are always amazed yeah. with some footballers that they don't really like football very much. And it's like, well, no, but I'm really good at it and it's my job and it makes me a lot of money. So if I play well, does it matter whether I like playing football or not? And there's this, there's this sort of romantic, <laughs> naive notion that to be really good at something, you've got to really love it, which I think is absolute hogwash. Marlon Brando was the best actor of the 20th century and detested acting, absolutely detested it with a passion. Um, you know, you do your job and... You know, I have the luxury of moaning about my job when I'm talking about my podcast. I have the luxury of moaning about it because I'm not being paid very much to do it. So, you know, I can moan about that. As soon as it becomes a viable actual job, my views and my annoyances at editing my podcast should not be for public consumption. That should be behind the door, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no I get that. I totally get that. I totally get that. And and the money um, the money pays for my enthusiasm. It pays for my professionalism and it pays for me doing a good job because that's what being a professional it's is. It's almost like you're acting the role, Indeed. darling. Um out of the the interviews that you've done, and we've mentioned I've mentioned a couple of names anyway, but is there anything anyone's that you've um is there any no, not that you've enjoyed, but is there any that have surprised you in the way that they have been dealing with the current situation? With the people that you have spoken to over the last couple of weeks that you've kind of went, Oh, I expected a different response to that. Um So I interviewed Luke Pryor. Lovely Luke. Met Luke. At at um Aircon. No, yeah, well yeah, he was at Aircon. I also um met him. Yeah, at Gearstones well, last year as well. Yeah, everyone's talking. Yes. Everyone talks about bloody last year's Gearstones, which seems to be <laughs> the conclave of angels. Just because I bloody missed it. <laughs> um, See, that's why I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't <laughs> meet him at Aircon, but I didn't know him as well. And I was like, and I was like, oh, f- oh fuck, I'm going to drop in the G word here, <laughs> and he's not going to like it. But you know, he cooked. He cooked probably. He cooked. Um, he cooked um, chicken, well, which was nice. Well, fundamentally, but, um, I didn't yeah. get to go to Aircon because an unexploded Second World War bomb was found at the airport yeah. the day my, yeah. and so I assume it was a British unexploded Second World War bomb. So actually, when you think about it, it was my fault. So not an issue. There you go. But but um, it, yeah. I, I interviewed Luke Pryor, and it wasn't that his answer it's that he would give this answer because i i think you know 
when we're speaking in public, we're trying to make the right impression. And I said to Luke, before we started recording, I said to him, you know, so how are you dealing with the lockdown then? And he said, I think it's bloody fantastic. And he elaborated on the show that what he meant was, is it was great. He got to spend time with his wife and he got to spend time with his kids, yeah. time that he wouldn't spend before. Yeah. And, you know, that they're becoming closer and it's really valuable time spent valuably, right? And it, that wasn't the surprising thing. It was just the fact that he gave voice to those thoughts that I was surprised by. Because I think we're supposed to wring our hands and say, this is terrible. And, hmm. you know... I think, so I, I was on Facebook today and someone had put up a post saying being comfortable in the lockdown is class privilege. And while I don't disagree with the statement, I, I think no question it is. I'm not yeah. entirely sure what I'm supposed to do with that. You being snotty with me because I happen to have a job that I can work from home. I I, I don't know why I should feel shit about that. You know, I, I think there are things we can do. And I think and the point is, there are things we can do. But I think the most... I've been talking to a lot of people about this recently because of the NHS and stuff. I think actually the greatest activism we can do in our society is pay our fucking tax. Because it is tax yeah. that provides public services. It is tax that provides doctors and nurses and the infrastructure to get our food to supermarkets. So actually, for all of this, I go on Twitter and post fucking memes. Pay our taxes and not moan about it. And vote for the party that is honest and says, no, we want to tax you because we want to redistribute the wealth. That's the greatest activism you can do, right? And so I, I forgot the question. It doesn't matter. There is no like. There's been questions, right? Do you even but, sound like I have but, questions. Oh yeah, yeah. So it was this point that we're all supposed to beat our breast and say how terrible it is. And you know, I have moments where this lockdown is actually great, where I get to sit on the balcony and read Hilary Mantel and drink a cup of tea. And you know, I've mm -hmm. decided to turn my life around, sort of physically, and I'm being really healthy, and I'm eating healthy food, and I'm going running, and all of this sort of stuff. And there are moments where I just think. God, I want to get out of the house and I want to see my friends and I want to go to the pub and I want to have a pint. And none of them in the grand scheme of things are huge issues. I mean, I have a friend who lives around the corner who's immunocompromised. And he hasn't left the house for three months. When this thing started, before the lockdown, he just said, I can't go out. Because if I go out, I might fucking die. And I'm doing his shopping yeah. and stuff for him because he can't get out the house. That's a real problem. Yeah. And so I suppose there's this feeling that we shouldn't give voice to contentment and happiness because we're somehow waving it in people's faces. But at the same time, what do you expect me to do? You ask me a question, I answer it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Being content in the lockdown is a class privilege. But I come from a working class family on a council estate and we never had any money. I, I did work. Uh, I did work to to be comfortable in the lockdown, I guess. And I reckon um, there's a lot of people currently surprised by the kind of the... the well, the, I've seen it repeated again in so many places and times and being like you know um you know well oh, there's a surprise it turns out that actually yes we could do our work from home yes we didn't have to do a commute yes we you know we, um we can actually get paid like a decent wage you know yes our health service can kind of get funded and 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 and, and no we kind of you know it turns out that ceos and billionaires are absolutely bloody pointless kind of thing and kind of what's interesting the most interesting thing was what's happened kind of like in the last couple of days which is the oil prices have fallen through the floor because the only thing that seems to be keeping the oil market running is people moving about and it turns out that when you stop that, then that's just, it's obviously a huge false, it's a false, it's a false economy in more ways than one, which is absolutely, it's fascinating to me that they're actually saying we have to, we have to come to some kind of agreement to make sure that our, you know, our billionaire oil barons don't suffer. And I'm just like, well, I kind of, you've had a good 60 years of it. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, time, to, I mean, time to sort yourself out. You, you know, know. <laughs> It's one of those things, isn't it? I mean, 
I wouldn't want to work from home permanently simply because I like being out in the world and seeing people. And I think it's very yeah. valuable. I think, I think, I think what, what I hope, like I was, my, my episode with Tony Boydell came out the other day and in Britain, I haven't been there, but in Britain people have been going outside and clapping for the NHS. And you know yeah. we're we're all we're all hypocrites. So you know you voted Tory and you're clapping for the NHS. Fine, just don't vote Tory next election, right? But um, yeah. he's saying that people are coming out and they're talking to each other across the road, going, "Oh, what are you doing?" You know, and yeah, what, one thing that this sort of march towards automation and the internet and all of this and on-demand TV is it feels like community is broken down to some degree. And I wonder whether if a big raft of home office happens, whether that might exacerbate that issue, that we become more cut off and more atomized. Because I, I, I think a healthy society demands that we mix with people we don't choose to mix with, right? Yeah, and that's and that's what the office does. I I think I think people's views are moderated. This is why Twitter is so rampant, because you know people's views are moderated and kept in check by being around people who don't agree with them and having to defend your point. The, the 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 problem with Twitter is that you know you don't have to defend your point. You either are blocked or not, or you're applauded or derided. There's no conversation, and I I think working from home would be wonderful as long as that sort of community thing was replaced by you know sitting around. If neighbours started talking again and local communities started getting together again and people go to pubs and chat with people who aren't their chosen friend group because part of the part of the atomization of our society is that we've just camped in our living rooms on our iPads and we haven't spoken to the people down the street and I think it's really dangerous right yeah um wrapping up because I'm conscious. I was going to start rapping the then, and I thought that was a, that was an awful joke, and so I didn't do it. <laughs> that would be. I would just generally not. I would actually. I potentially it's two sides of things. It's not something I really want to hear, but it's also potentially something I would pay money to to actually see you rap. I think that would be absolutely fantastic. Um, you've got a range, as we say, we've got a range of kind of various chats, interviews from kind of isolation from the voice from the solitude um where can people if people want to listen to those and they're fantastic just go ahead and listen um to the um the uh the the, the award nominated five five <laughs> games for doomsday where do we where where do where do where would they find you if they wanted to find you ben so you can go to the website five games for doomsday.com you can look at uh-huh. me on twitter at five games for doomsday uh yeah that's it uh, you can even send me an email if you if you want to, and that's five games for at gmail dot com. I've doxed there myself go. there. Did you notice that? Um, <laughs> um, fucking hell! You know, I think if you want to keep an eye, if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, first of all, check out Ben's show because that's a good thing. But if you want to keep an eye on we're up, we're up to, just go there, go there, to internet and search for we're not wizards, and you'll find us there. And that's kind of that kind of simple. Yeah. And and you know, Pretty get much. a BGG and vote for my podcast. I promise if I win the BGG yeah, award, I'll go away. Well, the, I don't think you can find a better reason for voting for five games for Doomsday for that reason alone. Absolutely. Um Thank you very very much for coming on, Ben. It's always <laughs> It's always interesting. It's always very introvert. It, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? We always examine our souls when we get together Richard and we're definitely examining our souls <laughs> as I would say um, do you want to say goodbye Ben goodbye Ben and it's a goodbye from me remember uh, stay safe stay home roll sixes make something awful but until the next time I can't believe you've goodbye you've got all these catchphrases I need a catchphrase I don't know I'm not going to invent a catchphrase for you 
Lick my chonson. What do you think? <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Cut. A wizard is never licked. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. (laughs) 